Welcome to the Kingdom Revival Culture Podcast, keeping you in touch with Faith Mountain Fellowship Church in Red River, New Mexico. You know, the love that Jesus Christ calls his body to is an amazing, everlasting, unconditional love. And this podcast is just one of the ways that you and I can build each other up in that love. So to start, just enjoy this message, and then please contact us with prayer requests, feedback, or anything else you'd like to discuss at fmfcpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from everyone interested in helping create a kingdom revival culture. I do have something I want to share with you guys before I introduce Micah. Um, this morning while we were worshiping, the Lord just spoke something into my, into my heart. Um, and what he said is there's, there's a lot of people in our, our body and a lot of people listening on Facebook right now uh, that have broken hearts. Uh, some of you have been through some really difficult times, and I know that. And I really believe the Lord said this is a day that he wants to mend and replace broken hearts. And so if you're one of those people that's struggling and been going through some really difficult times, I just encourage you to open up. I believe the message that this young man's getting ready to bring is a message that's timeless, and I believe it's it's perfect for where we're at right now, but I, I think it's going to bring healing as well. So I am so excited to welcome this young man. He is quite a, quite a special man. We love him. Um, and so would you please welcome Michael Ortega. All right. Well, this is fun. So, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Michael Ortega, and I have the privilege of getting to speak to you all today. Uh, and I would just like to begin today with a word of prayer, so if you would join me in that. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to, to speak to these people and just communicate something that you have for each and every person here, God. I just pray that everything that's on my own agenda, everything that I might be trying to push, that you would just take that away and that every single word that I speak, every idea and concept that is presented to each and every person here would just be from you. I just pray blessings on this time uh, going forward, and I just uh, thank you for this opportunity, and I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well... I'd like to start today off with a statement, uh, just to kind of get it going. And if you don't take anything away from what I'll be presenting today, I want you to really take home this, this statement here, and it is, no man can be great for God who has not first been great with him. I'll say that again, no man can be great for God who has not first been great with him. And that's something that I've really um, just come to the conclusion of in preparing this. So essentially this um, message, I guess you could say that I'm bringing you today, is something that I'd always wanted. Um, just growing up, this is something I'd always wanted to hear. This was always uh, something I was really searching for in teachings and books and other things. And I was really wanting the Christian life essentially just summed up in one sentence because I knew it was, 
yes, by grace you are saved, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, but I knew there was something more, and I knew there was something really key uh, to the Christian life that was very simple in living out, and I had something really altogether different planned, but as I was planning this, I just kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, remind them of their first love. Remind them of their first love, and that's what I kept hearing, and which really makes sense going into this new year. Um, we all have a lot of things going on. We all have our own ministries that we're working on. And sometimes I think we get just too wrapped up in what we do for Christ in comparison of how close we are with Him and really just valuing our relationship with Him. So if you would turn with me, I'm going to be reading today in Acts chapter 8. And I will be reading out of the New King James Version. So to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here, the gospel is just doing great. It's spreading everywhere. And um, you really see it going on with all the apostles just witnessing and lots of people getting saved um, for Christ. And uh, you really see persecution starting uh, in the previous chapter, chapter 7, and you see Saul uh, beginning to persecute the church in the beginning of chapter 8. And we're going to pick up on verse 4. And we're going to be focusing on Philip today. And verse 4 says, Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes, with one accord, heeding the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did, for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was a great joy in that city. And so what I really wanted to point out here is that right here, I would say, is what every Christian dreams of. Because every Christian is like, because it's really hard even reaching one person for Christ, right? But as we see here, you know, when Philip went down to the city of Samaria, is that it looked like the citywide revival, right? It looked like everybody was really heeding and uh, just really accepting the word that he said. And that was just really impactful just to see, because I think that's what every Christian only dreams of, right? You know, imagine one of us going to like Albuquerque or something, and it's like a citywide revival. That would just be so crazy, but that was just fantastic, and I'll come back to that in a second. So moving on, the story really picks back up in verse 25, and it says, so when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So you could see it didn't only happen in the city of Samaria, where Philip was teaching. It says on the, you know, many villages of the Samaritans as they returned back to Jerusalem. And... Let's just keep reading. <laughs> so verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot 
he was reading the Isaiah the prophet. And what I really noticed is this passage here, most teachers um, would really define this as, most, most teachers would label this as, you know, leaving the 99 to go after the one, right? You have to be willing to leave, you know, all these other people to go after this one person that God is really calling. But something that I really noticed was that as far as we can tell, um, in verse 26, it didn't give him a reason of why he was leaving. It just said, arise and go toward the south along this road, right? That's something I really noticed. And I think the real underlying current, the main thing that is trying to be communicated here was the attentiveness and the close the closeness that Philip had with God right here. It's just this relationship that he had with him. So let's go to verse 29, and this is my most favorite verse, and I'll show you here in a second. It says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. We'll keep reading. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you. Of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. Now when they came up, out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. Verse 40, but Philip was found at Azotus and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And the thing that I really wanted to point out here is that as I was reading this, I, I just put myself in this, in this situation, in, my, in Philip's place. And so I'm just imagining verse 26, you know, if I was here in the midst of this revival going on in the city, and, you know, most people would camp out there. I would. You know, I'd get a great church started and get a great program and just really build on that. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, and that, that would probably be pretty convincing for me at least. If that's a physical angel, you know, telling me, hey, go down this road, you know, I would do that. But one of the biggest things is here in verse 29, what I really wanted to point out was that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So what I would have done most likely is I would have heard that word. I would have heard, oh, we're going down to Gaza, right? And let's just make a situation here. Say Philip had a friend in Gaza, right? And he was starting a church. 
And, you know, it was really going, but, you know, Philip knew he needed help. So what if Philip had thought, oh, that's what God wants for me, right? I'm going to go down and help my friend, and it's going to be great, and you're just thinking about that. And he could have totally speeded down to Gaza, and he could have spent the rest of his life there with his friend. You know, he could have led hundreds of people to Christ. But the thing is, is that he was so intimate with God that in verse 29, the Spirit said to him, go and overtake this chariot, right? Because I think I would have just ran right past. But the thing is, that's not what he did. (laughs) Because you can even see is that he never even ended up in Gaza because in verse 40, but Philip was found in his Otis, right? And then passing through, he went to all these other places. So that's how I would have interpreted it. But the thing is, let's just keep building upon that hypothetical situation. So what if Philip did go to Gaza, right? And he helped out his friend at this church, and, you know, revival was happening, and all these great things were going on, and throughout his life, say he spent the rest of his life there, you know, really ministering and led hundreds of people to Christ. Um, The thing... That sounds great. That sounds fantastic. But the only thing is in Matthew 7. So let's just keep building upon that. Say at the end of his life, Matthew 7, verse 21, say he did that. He built upon that life there in Gaza. And then Matthew 7, verse 21, uh, let's just stick Philip in this situation. It says, not everyone who says to me, let's stick Philip in there. So not every Philip who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, or let's just use Philip. Philip said to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have I not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And that's the thing is that he could have done that. Say he did do that, and he went, you know, started this ministry in Gaza and led hundreds of people to Christ and cast out demons and raised the dead and did all these things. But, you know, Jesus would say, What happened? You know, I had a plan for your life. I had something altogether differently. You know, you were supposed to, I didn't even want you to reach Gaza. I wanted you to reach this one man. And then, you know, you were going to get caught up and go to these other towns and these other places. But the thing is, is that Philip could have argued that. He could have said yes, but Didn't I do all these things? Didn't I fulfill the Great Commission? Didn't I bring, you know, disciples to you? You know, I talked about you a lot. And Jesus could say, yeah, but a parrot can do that, right? It doesn't, (laughs) that doesn't do a whole lot of good. And then in verse 23, it doesn't sound very happy, but it says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, and what I'm really getting out of this passage here is that Jesus doesn't care as much about you reaching people for him as he does a relationship with you. Because you can be going and doing lots of things for him, but as it shows in this situation, Jesus really desires that intimacy with us. And that looks like the main priority, because if we don't seek his face, we're going to entirely miss the purpose that he has for each and every one of us. Because, let me give you another example. Say... You were really close. You were walking with God really great. Say, say you're in high school and you're just graduated, right? And then you're going to college. You know you're supposed to go to college, and you know you're supposed to go for, say, a communications degree. 
and say you do that, and then you jump the gun, right? And you're like, say this opportunity opens up for you to become a revivalist, right? You go around preaching from city to city, uh, bringing the word of the Lord, and you're like, oh, this communications degree, I see what you're doing, Jesus, right? And I think I do that so much, is that we see him working in our lives. You know, we see him start doing something like, we're like, oh, I know what you're doing. And then we often try to uh, just fill it in or just build upon that, when sometimes that's entirely not what he's doing, when, you know, in reality, what if he wanted you to become a school teacher and minister to these students instead of being a revivalist? Yes, you could have done a great job at it, but that wasn't the plan that he had for your life. So I'm going to go back to that statement that I gave you at first. It says, no man can be great for God who has not first been great with him. I think that's the real underlying current here that I'm really trying to bring to you today. Because I think the Christian life is really summed up in what I like to call the first commission. Because most of us, and I I do this all the time, is that I often think that my most important job in life is to fulfill the Great Commission, right? Go out and make disciples, right? And that is entirely true. But if you think back to the beginning, when Jesus was first calling his disciples, what's the first thing he told them? What's the first thing he commanded them? And that was follow me, right? Because you can't go out and make disciples for someone you don't know right? You're just going to get nowhere faster. (laughs) But I just really think it's summed up in that, the first commission. And so I really think just that the mandate of the Christian faith, the, the faith, the most important thing here in this life and in this walk with God is fellowship with God. It's not signs and wonders. It's not doing all these great things for him mandate of the Christian faith is fellowship with God. And every other part of that, every other part of the Christian life, such as ministry, uh, your growth, uh, your character, just every other part of the Christian life, I think, flows out of that relationship with God, right? And that's what I'm really trying to get at because I think since the beginning of time, that's what Jesus ultimately wanted, right? He created Adam and Eve in the garden, right? And they had that fellowship. And that's what he really treasured. That's what he really liked. But sin got in the way, right? Sin is the thing that was that barrier between us and God. And when Jesus came, remember when he died that the veil was torn, and that's what he wanted, the Holy Spirit, That's what he wanted was that kind of intimacy with each and every one of us, right? Because for the longest time, they had to go through the priests. They had to go through someone else. They have to do all these works to achieve uh, righteousness in God's eyes. but I think the Holy Spirit is really 
the dream, the thing that everybody in the Old Testament longed for. They really longed for that intimacy. They really longed for that, that one-on-one connection where they didn't have to go to someone else to go with God, to go reach that. So I guess what I'm really getting at here is just don't do what Philip could have possibly done, right? Because we're starting a new year. I get the privilege of uh, talking to you here on this first week um, out of the year, and we've all got individual ministries and things that we're doing. But I think my real uh, exhortation that I'm trying to get at is don't, don't let the things you do for Christ define your Christianity, Don't let all these different aspects of your life define your spirituality and your position with Christ. So I just wanted to really get at is that knowing Jesus really is the greatest thing. That's really what he wants and that all these other, you know, epistles and everything else just flows out of that. Because if we go back to that passage in Matthew 7 where it says, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Right? It looks like that's the cause of this rejection here. And that word knew in the Greek is gnosko. And that has the idea, that has the word for the intimacy between a man and a woman. You know, it has that deep, like the deepest of deep relationship, right? And I think that's what Jesus is really just craving the most here. So, I think that's really just what I wanted to get out today, was that oftentimes myself, I often let the way I act, the way I behave, um, that usually meters my rightness with God, if you know what I mean. Like, you've had a good day, you know, you had this opportunity to share with somebody, you, you know, you witnessed, you had a great, you know, Bible time in the morning with prayer, and the thing is, I often think that that defines my rightness with God. But I'm just going to leave you with this. No man can be great for God who has not first been great with him. And that's just what I wanted to remind you with. So. That's good.
I uh, ran out of things to say. <laughs> kind of done early, though. Okay. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a seat there, because I think people are going to want to talk to you in just a moment. You know, one of the things Micah hit on right there um, that all of us deal with is that religious spirit. It's based on law that we get, we feel like we've done, we've had a good day because we've done this, we've had a bad day because it's our identity is what, what Mike is talking to us about right now is that intimacy is what defines who we are is not what we do, but it's who we know. And, and so what you were talking about, I just, I know I was thinking back and I was thinking, man, this last week being so busy and stuff, um, the day didn't determine, it wasn't determined by whether things went well and, and everything fell into place. The day was determined when I got up in the morning first thing and I spent that time with him and I gave him all the, the concerns, all the, and so for the rest of the day I could go back to that and I could say, I don't care what's going on, I know how much you love me. And I'm expressing my love to you, and I'm going to be obedient as best I can. And sometimes I mess it up, sometimes I don't. But the ability to just go to him first and foremost. And, and I told you a minute ago that, that there's people in here that have broken hearts right now. And I just know that because I know you and I know what you, some of you have been through. But I believe this morning what Micah was just talking to us about is that intimacy, that that being willing to be vulnerable and be willing to say to the Lord, here it is, here's my heart, and it's, it needs to be healed. It needs to be, maybe you've never accepted Christ before. Maybe you've never had that intimate relationship before. Then that's exactly what he's talking about is it's when you lay down all the stuff and you realize that God knows everything about you and he loves you in spite of that. That's good news to me. I don't know about you, but, but it's good news. And today's the kind of day that I believe, and like Micah said, this is the first Sunday of, of 2018, and we should start this. I just want to spend a little time, and I'm going to have Mindy just, just play. And the altar is open, and I'm not asking the praise team or the prayer warriors to come up and stuff, intercessors right now. I'm asking you to spend a minute just you and God alone, and just let him speak to you. We were talking about Philip and how he could have easily missed this divine encounter. Um, and I'm just going to ask you to just let the Lord just minister and just open your heart to him. And like I said, the altar is open. You're welcome to come. You can kneel at your chair or you can just sit there. But let's just, let's just start this year off right. I thank you for bringing this message because this is powerful. I really believe that. This is a time when let's just get quiet. Nope, we're early. You don't have to rush. You don't have to get out the door. Let's just spend a little time and let the Lord speak to you and be open with him and be willing to, to give him maybe those, those, those hurts and heartaches that you've been carrying around for a long time. Because and maybe you've only been carrying them a short time, but... He wants to carry those for you. That's how much he loves you. Is that right?